Good morning, Maple Grove. All right, pretty good, pretty good. I'll give you a a five out of ten, but getting warmed up. Is anybody here thankful that God sees us through his eyes of mercy and the light of his love? I mean, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? I don't know about you, I I need his mercy every day because I'm pretty messed up. Uh, Look to the person you're right left and tell them, I'm pretty messed up. Come on. (laughs) Tell them, tell them, tell the person, come on. Come on, you're messed up, you're messed up. All right. You came to church today to find out you're messed up, right? We already knew it, right? But welcome to church and welcome to Father's Day 2023. You know, this week I got a little curious about when did the idea of Father's Day actually start? And so I went on the World Wide Web. And uh, do you know Father's Day wasn't a national holiday till 1972 when Nixon signed it into law? Yeah. And the first Father's Day service occurred in Fairmont, West Virginia, on July 5th, 1908. Uh, there was a huge mining accident where hundreds died, one of the worst mining accidents in our country ever. And uh, a daughter of a a preacher in town decided, hey, we should honor those fathers and all fathers. And so they celebrated Father's Day on July 5th, 1908, on that Sunday. Um, But it it was not an annual event, and not a whole lot of people knew about it. Meanwhile, in Spokane, Washington, another woman by the name of Sonora Smart Dodd was in a Mother's Day service. And she decided, hey, you know what? There needs to be something to honor fathers. I want to honor my dad. And her dad's name was William Jackson Smart. He was a Civil War veteran. He was a single dad who raised Sonora and her five brothers after his wife Ellen died, giving childbirth in 1898. And so she convinced, you know, the uh, Spokane Ministers Association and the YMCA to celebrate Father's Day. She chose June 5th because it was her father's birthday, but the preacher said, hey, let's make it the third Sunday so we have more time to prepare our Father's Day sermon after our Mother's Day sermon. And so, true, true story. And so July 19th, 19 and 10, the first Father's Day service was held, and it is taking off from that time on to our very day, 113 years later. So if you happen to be asked this week, how did Father's Day start? Now you know the answer. And interestingly, I think it is that both Father's Day and Mother's Day were birthed in the church, right? It was the church who sought to honor mothers and fathers because they're all celebrated on Sunday and they all began in the church. You know, dads, we have to admit that we are pretty amazing. We're full of a lot of wisdom and we can say some inspiring things to our children. But there are some things that dads will never say. Check out this video. (laughs) Oh, awesome, awesome. Uh, Happy Father's Day. You know, as always, I I struggled um, putting together a sermon for this week. And in fact, Friday morning, I I asked my wife, Laurie, I kind of pitched to her the two ideas that I had been working on and asked her, hey, which one should I go with? And she gave me her opinion. And she also said to be sure not to make it a conversation about bashing dads for not measuring up. And, uh, and she pointed out how, like, we never do that on Mother's Day. Mother's Day, moms, you're awesome, you're incredible, we love you. Dads, you know what? Step up to the plate. What's your problem? Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? Dads, you're not doing enough. And so, uh, and, and uh, let me be clear, it's not my goal to bash us as dads this morning. 
but to both encourage us and to challenge us as dads. And being a dad can be tough. We all fall short at times. Listen, truth is, there are no perfect dads. In fact, if you study the scripture, you will not find a single perfect human dad in there anywhere. I mean, every single dad had some dad flaws, except maybe Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad, but that's because we don't have a lot of information about his life. For example, Adam, the very first dad, uh, raised a son who became a murderer, and by biting the fruit, he caused his family to leave a really good neighborhood called the Garden of Eden. Abraham, the great father of Israel, kicked out his son Ishmael, a son he had with a, a woman named Hagar, his wife's maidservant, kicked him out into the desert. A, a kid who's probably a freshman in high school, never to see him again. Aaron, you know, Moses' brother, the first high priest, his parenting skills were so bad that it led to the death of his two sons. Uh, Isaac made it obvious that, that he loved Esau, who was hairy and liked to hunt, uh, more than his son Jacob, who liked hanging out with mom more. And that hatred and separation existed between Esau and Jacob. Jacob fell into the same trap. And he loved one son, Joseph, more than he loved the 11 other sons, resulting in Joseph winding up in prison so they could come back and tell their Jacob, hey dad, your favorite son died. Samuel, the great prophet, was such a permissive dad. He let his sons whoever they wanted to do, such when they, when they grew older, they, they forced people to pay bribes as they perverted justice. And David, well, let me tell you, David would, would not win a father year award at all. He had many sons from multiple wives. And when his sons Abnon sexually assaulted his half-sister Tamar, David knew about it, and David did nothing. And since dad David did nothing, Tamar's full brother, Absalom, two years later, murdered Amnon to defend his sister's honor. And when David found out about it, he did nothing, except exile his son and not speak to him for 13 years creating such hatred between David and Absalom that Absalom actually tried to take David's throne. It caused David to flee the city of Jerusalem. Eventually, Absalom would die, and only after his death did David mourn the fact that he could not be with his son, but it was too late. And here's the deal. If you're looking for an example of a perfect human dad, don't bother looking in the Bible. In Scripture, we have dads who are way too permissive with their kids and fail to teach them the value of Discipline and the consequences of wrong actions. Scripture, we have dads who were cowards and just walked away, never to see their kids again. We had dads who saw destructive behavior in their children, but failed to act, doing nothing, and this lack of stepping up had tragic consequences. To be honest, I find it somewhat encouraging to know that there's no perfect dads in the Bible. And listen, there's no perfect dads in this room either. Amen? But understand, though those dads were not perfect, as dads are in their walk with God, they were still faithful. Do you hear what I said? Listen, being faithful has nothing to do with being perfect. And listen, if you don't want to take my word for it, how about taking God's word? Because every one of those dads who didn't measure up 
Every single one except Adam is mentioned in Hebrews 11, God's hall of faith. Again, being faithful is not about being perfect. Get it? Good. Now, my search for a dad to talk about this Father's Day, I, I, I kind of land on the dad that many of us read this week and our faith comes from hearing. And it's what the writer said in Hebrews about this dad, especially four words that led me to choose him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Uh, by faith Noah, someone say by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. He, he, he built an ark to save his family. Yeah, dad who saved his family, I, I, I think that's a pretty good dad they made. I mean, I'm pretty sure that every dad in this room and watching online wants to do that, wants to save their family. Like, are, are there any dads out there who do not want to save their family? Now, before you raise your hand that you do not want to save your family, let me give you some antonyms or some opposites of the word save. Lose, abandon, endanger, harm, hurt, waste, make vulnerable, squander, throw away. So dads, raise your hands if you want to lose, abandon, harm, hurt, waste, make vulnerable, squander, or throw away your family. Good, no hands. Now raise your hands if you want to save, free, deliver, unchain, liberate, redeem, defend, come to the rescue, and pull out of the fire your family. Raise your hands. Okay, good answer. Me too. And so this morning, we're going to see what Noah teaches us about how a dad can save his family. We'll see five characteristics that allow God to use Noah to save his family. And listen, there are things that, these are things rather that many, that many dads in Maple Grove are already doing. And so this morning, Father's Day 2023, I kind of want to do what Paul did in his letter to the church in Thessalonica, where he writes this. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you and urge you to do this more and more. And so this morning is about, hey, guys, I know you're doing these things already, but the day, Father's Day, 2023, I urge you, hey, let's do these things more and more. Amen? That's what this, amen? amen? Come on, give me some love. It's Father's Day. A couple of things before we dive in. Uh, number one, I, I love being a dad. And my venture into fatherhood began three decades ago, on March the 20th, over three decades ago, <laughs> almost four decades ago, but he was counting decades. When you start counting decades, okay, you're, little, you're getting there, okay? Um, here's a picture of my very first Father's Day, you know, uh, I'm not 12. I know I look 12, right? Uh, Father's Day, 1984, and, and right there, uh, there is my uh, first daughter, uh, Chelsea Elizabeth Malone. And today, I have, I have three daughters, 39, 31, and 19. I have two sons, 17 and 36. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm an adopted dad. I also have seven grandchildren, Zeb, Micaiah, Asher, Micah, Cana, Lucy, and Ezra. Uh, number two, I, I've always found wearing the title of father, one of the names for God to be an incredible honor and a 
huge responsibility and also very intimidating and overwhelming. Number three, dads, despite what modern culture and our media says, dads, you matter. You matter a lot. And you know why you matter? Because God created you to matter. And listen, dads, I want you to know this morning, Father's Day 2023, God believes in you. God is for you. God is in your corner. God has your six. Amen? Amen. Number four, the five characteristics we're going to talk about are characteristics that anyone who wants to be used by God needs to implement into their life. And so that's where we're heading. Before we do that, we're going to do what we do every now and then around here. We're going to stand up and take two. Just where we take two minutes to welcome those around us. So go ahead and do that. Amen. I'll go pray us back. Good job. I always love looking around and seeing all the conversations. It's so, it's so incredible. Um, hey, God, we love you. And God, I pray just now as we dive into your word, you be with me and all the dads in this room. God, that we'll hear your voice. Um, and God, I pray that you'll help me to say what you want me to say. Uh, I pray that somehow you could find a, a way to use someone as messed up as me to speak some truth into the lives of men that you have given such incredible responsibility, men that you believe in so deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's do this. How a dad saved his family. Number one, dads who saved their families make themselves available. I understand God was able to use Noah because he was available. Now, I know that seems pretty obvious. He was available, but in fact, as God looked at the entire population of the world, which some scholars think was about one million he can only find one available person. Genesis 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for I've seen that you alone, that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. And listen, even though this characteristic is obvious, don't underestimate its importance. Because a dad being available is essential to God being able to use him to save his family. I mean, if a dad is not around his family, then how can that dad ever possibly save his family? Get it? Good. And tragically, for millions of children today, dads are simply not around. You probably can't see this real well. Um, this is, there are 18.4 million children, that's one in four, live in a home without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. One in four. 18 million children right now. And you can see some of the effects that it has. Uh, children in these homes are four times greater risk of poverty, more likely to have behavioral problems, two times greater risk of infancy mortality, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of school, right? Now, the good news is, you know, the strength of a father's presence, what that does when there's an adopted dad, stepdad, biological dad in the home, you can see that all these things go down. Dads, you matter, and dads, you make a difference. And so uh, right now, I just want to take, I'm going to just pray real quick, if you guys would pray with me, for those 18 million children right now. Father God, we humbly come before you and God, we know that right now, as we're in this room, that there's one in four children in our home where there's not a dad. 
There's not an adopted dad. There's not a stepdad. There's not a biological dad. There's not someone filling the role as a dad in that home. Got to pray you be with those kids. Got to pray they will know they have value in your eyes. And God, I pray that you would bring some mature men into their lives to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Dads who save their families make themselves available. Listen, the truth is that one of our greatest abilities for being a dad that saves our families is our availability, right? One of our greatest abilities. You know, the longer I'm a Christian, the more I realize that God does not need or use superstars. He just uses ordinary people, right? I mean, think of disciples, just fishermen. Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and that we're for, it's one of my favorite words, Greek, idiotes, where you get the word, what do you think? Idiot. <laughs> I don't know. They were just idiots, right? They were just idiotes. They were just ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. And look what God did through them. Listen, God has always been actively looking for available people. In fact, that's exactly what we read in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. If this is not highlighted somewhere, you need to highlight this verse. The eyes of the Lord reign throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to the Lord. The eyes of the Lord reign throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Let me tell you, fellow dads, you can be certain that God wants to strengthen our hearts so that we can be a dad that saves our family. Amen? But we need to be available. We need to be there for our kids. Get it? Good. Listen, over the years, I've seen so many dads at Maple Grove do whatever it takes so that they can be available for their kids, available to go to their games, available to watch their performances, available to do things together, to have those conversations. Uh, I've seen dads who, who, who attend a men's Bible study that have to leave early so they can be home for bath and bedtime. I've seen dads who've been deployed overseas take advantage of social media so that every week or several times a week they can FaceTime with their children to be available even though they're on the other side of the world. I've seen dads give up and put down things that they want to do so they can be there for their kids. I've seen dads drop everything and hop in a car or on a plane to be there for their adult children who are going through a crisis. Dads, do not underestimate the value of just showing up. Or even being here today with your kids, it matters. Dads who save their families make themselves available. And, and dads, I know you're doing this. But Father's Day 2023, will you commit to doing this more and more? Next, dads who save their families understand the dangers. I, I remember, probably you guys maybe remember as well, your first child, right? Before you bring that, before I brought Chelsea home, you know what? We got to put locks on the drawers. I hated those things, you know, locks on the cabinets because like, hey, there's stuff that could hurt them, right? We, we got to cover those electrical sockets. Now, later on, I, my older kids, when we adopted them, it's like, hey, they'll be fine. <laughs> First kid's like, I got to make sure everything's okay. Got to have the perfect car seat, right? Because there's, we, hey, there's dangers. Guess what? There's dangers. Not just when we bring them home from the hospital. One danger is the danger of living in a broken, sinful, evil, and messed up world. We read in the Bible, the Genesis, beginning of Genesis 5, 
uh, the Lord saw. Someone say, the Lord saw. How great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Now the earth had become corrupt in God's sight, and it was filled with violence. God observed, someone say God observed, all this corruption in the world, and he saw violence and depravity everywhere. It was a messed up world. It was Sodom and Gomorrah multiplied over the entire earth. Noah saw it, Noah lived in it, and he spoke out against it. In fact, Peter says in his letter that that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. As a man, he declared, hey, there's a right way to live, and that's the way that I am going to live. Again, the world in Genesis 6 was wicked, violent, evil, depraved. Noah knew it, and he knew that it posed a threat to his kids. In like matters, dads who saved their families recognized the very real danger of living in a broken, evil, upside-down world. Now, this week, I, I went on the World Wide Web, WWD, and I said, hey, w- what are some dangers kids face today? And, and on the first, I never go past the first page. I don't know about you guys. If it's on the first page, it's not. Uh, but uh, uh, there's a site called All Pro Dads, and they had this article, Five Threats Kids Face Today That We Never Had to Worry About. And they're saying, hey, you know, we may have to worry about these things, but not like to the degree kids worry about them today. And so I just want to read from that article some of the things uh, that kids, dangers they face today. Number one, the saturation of media and technology. Are they right? Most of our children don't know of a pre-iPhone world. (laughs) And while that comes with advantages, it comes with even more concerns. Uh, They write, never before have kids spent as much time in front of a screen or had as much access to the entire world at their fingertips. Consequently, the threats this creates range from laziness to obesity to worldview implications to low self-esteem. Number two, danger, they said, is the relational challenges associated with social media. Uh, They write, parents need to decide carefully if, when, and how to allow their children to participate in social media. Well, it can be fun, a fun way to build relationships and also be a trap for young people drawing them into unhealthy habits of drama, poor self-image, and need for approval from others, cyberbullying, and many other threats. Number three, they say, is the ease and access of pornography. They write, growing up, we might have had a few inappropriate pictures hidden under our mattress, but porn isn't hidden today. Soft porn is flaunted as socially acceptable, and hardcore porn is more accessible than ever. The average child's first exposure, they write, the porn happens between the ages of 8 and 11 years old. We must take this seriously and put protective measures in place. Number four, they said, our danger of face is the harsh realities of child sex abuse and sex trafficking. The right statistics tell us that one in five children will experience some form of sexual abuse. And in 90% of those cases, the child knows the abuser. Stranger danger is no longer the greatest threat when it comes to child abuse. Parents must be proactive rather than passive, even with family and friends. They must have sensitive conversation about what is and what is not appropriate touch, as well as the dangers of sex trafficking. Number five, they said the attitude of entitlement. Most of us had to work hard for what we have, and if we got in trouble growing up, our parents allowed us to face the consequences rather than rescuing us or blaming the authorities. We're expected to be dependable. We were expected to be dependable, responsible, and respectful. However, one of the great threats to kids today is the mindset that the world owes them something. 
A recent survey of school counselors said entitlement mentality is one of the top five problems young people face today. Yes, dads who want to save their families understand the dangers. Uh, this week on Facebook, I, I asked, what are some of the very real dangers that our children are facing in our world today? And here's some of the comments I received. Sexual temptation, materialism, bullying, cyberbullying, drugs, mental health. Someone wrote, the systematic attacks on Christian values and morals by our culture, our media, and our political leaders. Someone wrote, the radical social indoctrination taking place in schools, universities, and in all forms of media. Someone wrote, the loss of moral standards, depression, suicide, the you do you and my truth philosophy. Fellow dads, if we want to save our families, we have to be on our game and be aware of these and other dangers the world is pressing against our kids. Understand, dads, there's a thief. The evil one, Satan, the great dragon, who longs to steal, kill, and destroy the life that God has for your kids. Listen, he is coming after young people today probably more than any time before. I mean, I have grandchildren that are young. And when I, when I see them playing, and I realize what some of our schools think is appropriate for those kids to, to hear in kindergarten, and, and, and when, when parents who say, hey, I, I, I start, maybe you've seen clips of where someone is reading from material that, that a child can read in school at a school board meeting, and they say, stop, we don't want to hear that. That's not appropriate in a school board meeting, but it's appropriate in, in a kindergartner's class, right? So let me tell you, they're coming after our kids, they really are. And why do they come after they're so young? Because the evil one knows. He knows. And he's conscripted, conscripted and manipulated people in this world to come at our kids because he knows that if I can get them when they're young, if I get into their mind, soul, and spirit when they're young, I can have that child for their life. I, I read something on the History um, Channel website about Hitler Youth and how Hitler used that, and how 90% of kids in Nazi Germany were in that. And how all of them were indoctrinated at a young age to believe all the garbage and hatred that he spilled out. He wanted a father of lies, and he lies to our kids. Lies are kids about what beauty is, causing so many young people to think that they're not attractive because they do not have what the world says. I'm just not, I'm just not pretty enough. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I don't have the right shape. I'm not attractive. I, I don't look like that. He lies to our, our children about what strength is, causing many youth to feel weak and useless. He lies to them what success is, causing them to feel like failures. And he was often successful at getting her kids to buy his lies. Result, so many kids do not feel like they measure up, that they're not good enough, that they're not worthy of love, that they have no value. I mean, have, have you read how, how many, have you read the, the suicide rate, how it's climbing? And the kids depressing on drugs, how it's climbing? But dads who see these dangers, 
They fight against these dangers with the truth of God. They tell their kids, hey, God created you. God knit you in your mother's womb. God shaped your body. God determined how tall you are. God created you. God loves you. God has a plan and purpose for you. And when he knit you in your mother's womb, he made you just the way you are so that you can accomplish those plans and purposes. Amen? So we need to tell our kids, you know what, God made you. You're the way you are because that's how God made you to do the things he wanted you to do. Dads, another danger is the danger of living in a way that is against God. Noah knew that God's judgment was about to be unleashed on the world, and he wanted to save his family from that. God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Dads, we must understand the very real danger, the very real and eternal danger of our kids living in a way that is against and rejects God. Rejects God and his word. Second Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9 says this. I don't like this verse. If I could take it out, I'd take it out. <laughs> he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Jesus said, what good is it if your son or daughter gains the whole world, but yet forfeits her soul? And here's the deal, fellow dads. We need to have a much greater concern for our kids' walk with God than what kind of grades they get in school, how well they exceed in sports, what college they get into, what career field they choose. Dads, our greatest concern has to be our children's walk with God. Amen? It has to be. You know, and Laurie mentioned some events, move and our student ministry, a great way. You know, many of you know I shared, you know, my son Gentile is heading to Virginia Tech in the fall. And college is a dangerous place. I don't know if you knew that. I've known kids who've gone to college with Jesus and left college without Jesus. And so we went to visit this past week, and here's my new best friend. He doesn't know he's my best friend yet. <laughs> That's Brandon, uh, Christ Church at Virginia Tech. He's one of the uh, campus ministers there. It's a great ministry right there on Tech. And we went down there, and I said, you know, and, and you know, him and I have talked. Um, he's, he has a video camera, so I can see when Gentiles ever attending the studies there. He's going to send me attendance sheets and everything else. I asked him to do that. He said he wouldn't do that. You know, but that's my greatest concern. More than how he does in engineering school. I like it. Hey, cool, you do that, great. But my greatest concern, and I, I believe because of that ministry down there, after four years, he's not going to lose his faith. His, uh, Brandon went there to study like all kinds of crazy scientific stuff and then decided, hey, this ministry saved my life. I want to do this full time now. And he's full time there doing this ministry. So, so you know, I'm just saying that, you know, we have to do things to protect our kids and I'm, because I'm not going to be down there. And it's like, man, I got to protect my kid. And, and he's my new best friend, Brandon and Mike and, and Morgan. You know, I, I, I'm going to get to know them very well. And uh, next to that, you say their families dare to be different. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Morally, morally, Noah was a man of deep conviction. He dared to be different. He was not afraid to stand out. He was not afraid to stand alone. He was not afraid of what other people thought of him. He understood what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 29, verse 5. The fear of man is a trap. 
Understand, worrying about what people think about us is a trap. It'll lock us up. It'll hold us down. Again, the people of this time were morally bankrupt. Yet all these things did not influence Noah. He was blameless. He dared to be different. He did not buy the, the lies of the world. And like matter dads, if we want to save our families, we must dare to be different. We cannot live like the world and expect to have any real chance of saving our family from it. Does that make sense? We cannot live like the world except to have any real chance of saving our family from it. Get it? Good. Dads are kids, and not perfectly because we are messed up. And he said, we for the most part speak, act, love, value, care, respond differently than the world does. And dads, I know that you're living a life that's different than this fallen world. But today, Father's Day 2023, I urge you and I urge me to commit to doing that more and more. Amen? Next dad who saved their family's walk with God. This account of the Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Listen, walking with God doesn't just happen by accident. Like the chances of waking up one day and automatically being mature in your faith are as likely as a sports team not training, not practicing, not game planning, and winning a championship. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And listen, God wants us to walk with him, right? I mean, Genesis 3 tells us that God used to walk with man in the garden. But then came the tree, the fall, the fruit, the serpent, the lies, the bite, And what was once so natural, this relationship with God, so natural, so easy, what was once just a normal part of life became difficult and hard and unnatural and rare. In order to walk with God, guys, we're going to really want it. We're going to go after all we got. Pursue it with great passion. And I think we know what it is. It's just pursue something with passion, right? Have you ever pursued a career, a goal, a person, a hobby, with great passion, doing whatever it takes. That's the kind of passion that we need to pursue God. And so how can a dad improve the walk with God? What all comes down to a famous sandwich that was birthed during World War II. When U.S. soldiers began to combine Skippy peanut butter with jelly on bread, first time ever, It was easy to store, no refrigeration, and a good source of protein. And here's a picture of a PBJ. Statistics say that most average person will eat 2,000 of these by the time they graduate high school. Okay? And your walk with God is nothing more than PBJ. Uh, The the peanut butter, I choose Jif. Choose your mothers, choose Jif. And that the P stands for people. Dads, you need to be hanging out with other guys who are walking with and chasing after God. And not not just other guys, but guys who are walking with and chasing after God. Now, are you doing that? Would you like to do that? We have a connection card. And and in the fall, you know, more information coming. We're going to start something here called um, DNA groups, um, discipleship, nurturing, and accountability groups. You know, three to five guys getting together. 
And I'm coming for some of you guys. I'm going to invite you guys you know, to be a part of that. But if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, to help your walk with God, that you need people. The B, the B stands for, right, for Bible. You, know, you need to be reading your Bible on a regular basis. Something I push here a lot, right? We always have a Bible reading plan going on. Right now we're reading in Genesis uh, a, a great study. We do it on the YouVersion app so that we can, you know, encourage each other by the things we get out of it. And it, it's such a fun time. And it's still not too late to join that. Uh, Jesus is the jelly, right? Uh, and we need to connect with Jesus through worship, through serving, through the word, through prayer. So we can connect with him. Now listen, connect with Jesus is really important. Remember that Jesus said he's the vine, we're the branches, that we need to be connected to him. I, I took a picture the other day of something in our backyard at the church. Steve Bailey builds the most beautiful burn piles across the U.S. You know, I mean, it is so, it, it sometimes my dog, when I run my German Shepherd, she messes that burn pile up, and he has probably drag, she drags branches out, but it, it, it beautiful burn pile. Now, see, see, these are branches, and these are branches. You see a different. You know why these are green? Because they went to a better school, right? Uh, these branches are just smarter. No, it's because they're what? Because they're connected. It's really that simple. You know, if you're not connected, and it doesn't take long, does it, Steve? You, you put that on the pile. I mean, this guy's pretty new, I think. You know, it doesn't take long to wither. You need to be connected to God. Um, here's a, something on your, in your notes that pop on the screen. As we take our relationship with our Heavenly Father deeper, we'll find that not only will we be more willing to be the dad God wants us to be, but we're literally being empowered to become that dad. And, and, and just something um, real quick, it's Father's Day, so there's a lot of mercy. Um, day eight in our reading this week, the little devotional part said this, at some point we will be a name on a family tree. Will your impact lead your great-grandchildren to be friends or enemies of God? Here's what I wrote. Yeah, 100 years from now, that is what I will be, a name on the family tree. I want how I live my life to result in a mass, massive amount of men and women who know you and love you and love your word. Lord, how I live today matters for them. Help me to live it well. I mean, one day, right? 100 years from now, someone's going to go to answering.com and, oh, who was Steve Malone? I, don't, I guess he was their great-great-grandfather, right? And finally, dads who save their families never give up. You know how long Noah's worked on this project? Some say 120 years. That's like a long time. I mean, could you maintain your enthusiasm for a project that took that long? You know, I bet there were just days when Noah hated to look at that ark. Times he wanted to say, I don't want to work on that anymore. I'm tired. I've done my duty. I don't... Even when I get out of bed today, I don't feel like it. Nothing I do really seems to matter. What an example of perseverance. Day in and day out, building, nailing, papering, whatever, for 120 years. Again, I thought, many times he probably thought, you know, I, I've, I've done my 40 year, 50 years, give me my gold watch and let someone else take over. But he never said that. He never gave up. And listen, every day Noah preached a sermon. Noah didn't stand in the church behind a podium 
giving a speech, and yet he preached a sermon, the most effective kind of sermon with his life. Every day as he drove those nails, every day as he cut that wood and bent it into shape, he was saying to the watching world, I I believe in God, I I trust God, I trust his word, I believe in who God is. It's difficult, it's hard. But dads just save their family. When they get knocked down, they get back up. God uses people who refuse to give up. God uses people, and I'm about to trip on this shoestring. God better tie it. <laughs> I apologize. If you're here visiting, I don't know what to tell you. God uses people. I will step on that thing. Okay, I think I'll be okay. No, I'm not going to be okay. God uses people who refuse to give up. Your line is, who refuse to give up. God uses people. God uses people. I know you're tired. I know it's hard. Walking this journey for God, being a mom, being a dad, just being alive. But God uses people. I have a picture I want to put on the screen here. I'm going to ask Mike Drew if you could identify this player. That's Emmett Smith. He's the NFL all-time Russian leader. He rushed for 18,355 yards, a little over 10.4 miles. And that's with somebody knocking him down 4,370 times. Like every 4.2 yards, this guy got knocked down. But every time, he got back up. Now, sometimes he got up quick. Sometimes he got up not so quick. But he got up every single time. Understand, there's some things that dads will never say, like the video. And and what a dad who is walking with God and wants to save his family will never say is, I give up. I give up. They won't. You're knocked down, you're beaten up, you're discouraged, you feel like a failure, and then you get back up again. Paul writes, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, therefore, dads, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord of being a dad. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's Father's Day 2023, fact. Noah wasn't perfect. Fact. Noah saved his family. Fact. Noah was available. Fact. Noah understood the dangers. Fact. He dared to be different. Fact. He walked with God. Fact. He never gave up. Fact. Dads who follow in his footsteps are on a path to save their families. Your dads, it's Father's Day 2023. And maybe you've been knocked down. And maybe there's a 350-pound lineman and his buddy standing over you, just daring you to get back up so they can knock you back down. And that's the evil one. Understand, God brought you here today to tell you, hey, dads, the game ain't over yet. You can still get back up. Amen? And, and, and I'm going to give an opportunity for every dad in this room, don't feel pressure, but feel pressure, um, who, who wants to recommit to being a dad that saves their family, I'm going to ask you guys to come up here with me, and we're going to kneel, and I'm going to pray for us. 
we're coming and say, God, you know what, that, you know what, I'm going to do more and more to be available, to see the dangers, to walk with God, to be different than the world. So if, if you're wanting to do that, just come up. You just have to get on your feet to come up. Oh, so you dads out there don't want to do better? <laughs> I will guilt you. Hey, you dads that already arrived, you know, give us your text number. I know, it's horrible. I'm horrible. You told me to be gentle. Okay, hey, guys, let's kneel. And if, if anybody, oh, it's a bowl of Rice Krispies up here. Stack, crap up, Rice Krispies. All right, and if anybody wants to come up and put her hand on a dad, feel free to do so as I pray for us. Um, Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you. And, and dad, we got to admit that sometimes as a dad, all we see is our falls and our failures. And we come here today, Father's Day 2023, just recommitting to be the men that you want us to be. God, we want you to know that it's an honor. We see it as an honor to, um, to bear a name that is one of your titles, Father. And God, we ask that you would help us to be more available for our kids, Lord. God, help us to, to see the dangers out there. Father, I pray that you would, God, that you would help us to, God, we want to walk with you. We get so distracted, and we have so many great plans, and yet we fall short so many times, God, but we thank you for your patience with us. And God, help us to walk more fully like you, God. Help us to look different than the world looks, God. And God, I pray especially for those dads who feel like, man, they just got gut punched. And God, I pray that you would be with them. And God, I pray that you will give them the power and the courage to get back up, knowing that you stand with them. And God, I pray for every family represented here and in this room, God. God, help us to become the people you want us to be. And help us to realize it's not, faithful is not about perfection, Lord. It's about getting up and trying and working hard. And so, God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, dads. Appreciate you, man. Proud of you. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I hate all these guys making noises. I feel so much better about myself. Thanks. Because <laughs> I make, I can't move without making noises. Just, oh, oh, gosh. We got to okay. hey, go. Up. I should have had you take Advil before church, right? Because, okay. Hey, we're going to sing a song to lead into communion. You know, we do this every week. Um, and and uh, off to the side, we have these stations where you can pick up the communion cups. And, and uh, it's just time to remember Jesus, right? You know, and, and, and dads, man, I know it's hard. Don't give up. He's in your corner. You know, it ain't over yet. God believes in you. God is for you. And God chose you to be the dad to those kids. And he's going to help you. And so we're going to stand and sing. And, if you, um, and also, I want to let you guys know that when we start singing, I'm going to be leaving to go to the back. Because we've got a young man back there, Matthew. And I'll tell you this, uh, um, it, he is the great, great. Some of us don't get to see great greats. But, but Sonny and Joanne, he is their great-great-grandson. And, and, and uh, what a testimony. 
Way to go. Way to go. Your great, great, no Sue, that's on this family tree. And, and, and well done. You guys have done well uh, for this day. So we're going to go back there, and he's going to, we're done communion, where he's going to be baptized into Christ. We're excited about that. And so, again, it's off to the side. That's where we take up our offering as well. So let me pray into this song. Would you guys please stand?